Are you a defense financial manager looking to invest in your career? Attend PDI, the Professional Development Institute in Phoenix, Arizona, May 29th to 31st. PDI is the premier annual training event for the DFM community. Register today at PDI2024.org. Early bird rates end April 30th. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome into the Hybrid Dive Podcast. This is your host, Dylan Scott. And today on the pod, I have somebody who I think all they really do is sprint and eat Skittles. That's what it seems like. <laughs> no, what we have today is we have one of my SPU teammates, Elizabeth Gilmore, somebody who is an absolute monster on the rower, to talk a little bit more about that world and to see where she might be coming into the hybrid space at any point. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Dylan? I'm just pedaling along on a bike on a very rainy day in North Carolina. Nice. So, really, I guess you and I, we kind of got in contact through SPU. You weren't on the team when I joined originally, correct? No, I was, um, I started off with another team and um, just wasn't very connected to it. But I liked a lot of the guys in SPU and begged them multiple times to join. And then finally, they decided to let me in. Oh, so, so, okay, so you, you petitioned to be a part of the Small People Union. Exactly. It took some work, but it I was fine. And it's, it, it's not because, the, okay, I'm remembering <laughs> the story now. It, it's not because if they were like, oh, you know, well, she's not good enough to let her in. It was like, we do not want to in any way, shape, or form seem like we're poaching people from this, from, from a different team, Correct. Absolutely. So I, I don't want people to get the idea that you have to have certain scores or cert- anything like that to be allowed to be on any team. I think most teams are pretty um, uh, accepting of people and um, love having new teammates, especially women in lightweights, because we're just not as well represented in the CTC. And there are some requirements about having women and lightweights on the boat, but um, they were really sensitive to not wanting to poach people from other teams. Yeah, um, wanted to avoid that dynamic. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. understandable. It, re- regardless of the fact that this is just a completely like just patched together rowing online competition, it, it mm-hmm. does. It carries a little bit of weight. It does, and I know people get pretty invested sometimes in the results. So um, it, it makes sense. <laughs> well, I would say um, from the addition to the team, you were definitely somebody who coming on board made a heck of an impact because you, you're a very impressive rower. Um, not knowing all of your like accolades and backgrounds, just to give some of the people listening some of the, the stuff that you've done in the past, will you give you know some of the records you have, some of the marks you've hit, so that people kind of know what level we're talking about? Yeah, so um, I know some people think the 2K score is probably the ultimate way of uh, gauging <laughs> Um, how somebody is doing it indoor rowing. And my 2K is um, 645.3. 
Um, and in addition to that, I have some um, uh, Concept 2 records, including most recently the one minute piece. Um, but then um, also up to, I have an age group record in the marathon. Um, as well as a few different um, uh, slides records, um, those are a little bit less competitive um, as far as who's trying to go for those. But um, And then in addition to that, I've had a very successful indoor rowing season this last season, including winning the Versa Championship at Worlds and um, having a pretty good showing at ERC Sprints and the Crash Bees as well. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it's a crazy that's amount of just like accomplishments and things that you you've gotten on the concept two side but interestingly enough not really a rower in the past right so my background is really more in running and lifting and um i've found i, mean, I think that a lot of these different fitness things that you can do um you know just generally benefit from having a good engine and being strong and then you know how much someone excels at one versus the other often comes down to um I mean, I'm tall and that really helps on the rower. Um, and then it's a detriment to like, I'm a horrible, horrible at gymnastic type stuff, but, um, yeah. So with that, let's, let's go back to the start on things of yeah. your athletic kind of, you know, career journey to get you up to this point. So we're starting early on where are you first kind of finding yourself like fitness wise and not maybe concentrate on fitness, but maybe just sports, even five years old. 10 years old? Where was it first come into your life? Yeah, so sports. I started um, basketball pretty young, and um, I think I played a little bit of softball, you know, just kind of normal kid trying stuff around. Um, I got kicked out of gymnastics because uh, I was horrible. <laughs> the teacher thought I was trying to joke around, but that's actually my ability um, but then in high school, I started running track and cross country, and I really enjoyed both of those. Um, I stopped playing basketball at a certain point due to multiple knee surgeries, and it just did not feel worth it to me, given kind of where my heart was with that. And then from there, I went on to uh, run track and cross country in college. Um, I went to a D3 college, so not the most competitive, but I had a really fun time with the team. So hold on, let's, let's go to the yeah. gymnastics. Let's go to the gymnastics <laughs> coach kicking you out because he was like, "This can't, like, you can't be that bad." What what age were you at that point? Trying to explain, like, no, this is ineptitude. This is not like not malicious. <laughs> I think it was like seven. <laughs> How do you like? That's gotta honestly. I'm glad we can laugh at it now. It's gotta be so painful as a seven year old. You're like. It's been stung. <laughs> I imagine. Like, I can't admit, being seven years old, if somebody was like, You are so bad at this that I think you're trying to be bad. I'm like, I'm actually trying to be good. <laughs> this is just how I am. Oh, so, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you hit it on the head. You're like, Yeah, I'm tall. I'm bad at gymnastics. I, I think maybe you were just ingrained when you were short, it was just driven into, you know, I'm bad at gymnastics. I don't think it matters right at this point. You know, I don't know. And I think a lot of it is just trying to train at skills. And there are a lot of skills there that I have not tried to train at that much. So um, I'm not saying I could never learn, but um, yeah, same thing, kind of swimming too. Um, 
I was not a good swimmer as a child. And um, since then, I've had the thought like, you know, it would be fantastic to do triathlons if only I could swim. Um, so at some point in the future, maybe that will be a focus. But um, right now I can swim well enough to not drown. I'm not worried about like the boat capsizing, but that's another place. I'm just, you know, we all have our strengths, right? <laughs> Yeah, yours you're, are not going to be handstands or swimming to safety too often, like, uh huh. <laughs> that, which is, which is fair. I mean, where I'm a little bit taller than you, find the same thing. Like, I try to do gymnastics movements. I've been trying to learn how to walk on my hands and stuff. It doesn't mm -hmm. come easy. Swimming comes all right, but it's still clunky. Like, mm -hmm. it's still like, eh. You don't exactly look smooth in the water, brother. Like. But, I think it's one of the ones that favors height too, but my thing was always breathing. Um, I have asthma and I just had like this thing as a kid, like just, I was scared of just keeping my face in the water enough to actually learn proper swimming technique. So, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, there's, there's no time like the present. You, you can learn it. You pick it up. You're already out there in a rowboat. Just dive out a couple of times and eventually you got it. Well, I know you like to lay down on the floor between intervals, and I thought that could be a good way to brush up my swimming skills is just jump in the water and swim and get back in the boat and do it again, right? I can't, I can't believe more people don't lay down in between intervals. Is that really like a... Do people not do that? I can't say that I've seen other people do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't understand it because I have gotten in such a habit of it. To It's like if, we have a, if I have a minute rest, 30 seconds of that. Or me and the floor. We're just hanging out for a bit. And then I get back up for 10 seconds. Then 20 seconds is left. And then it's like, all right, cool. We're ready to go again. But uh, I was amazed that you didn't lay on the floor any during that workout we did. Our track coach would always yell at people, like, don't sit down, don't lay down. Keep moving around and just keep the legs moving. And um, I don't know. There's probably some, like, bro science or maybe actual real science behind why but it was always ingrained to me you do not do that except for maybe at the end of something see i got that too uh they say <laughs> yeah i got that too i just didn't i don't think i listened um <laughs> i think i was like no, no, no. if my body says go down you go down and you get up when it's time to go again like what <laughs> what are we doing here and i think they've actually recently done some look like research looking into that not the whole between the row and stuff but the whole idea of like Oh, don't get down on a knee or something like that in between. And because mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen stupid memes about it where they were like, my whole life, my coach is yelling at me for this. And now science comes out and goes, now nah, you probably should just take a knee. Like, it's all right. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear more data on that because I just always try to keep, I mean, even on the erg, if I'm doing intervals, I just try to gently paddle a little bit in between and catch my breath and keep it moving. I think honestly, the data on the erg shows that you should do that in my way is wrong. But <laughs> the data from some other sports is like, actually, no, nah, you're, you're good. You're not suddenly sitting down. You're not going to cramp up or something like that. You're fine. Um, but either way, we'll get, we'll get off on tangents for that. So, okay. <laughs> so, so you end up finding yourself going off to college, competing D3, um, track and field. And your events, what were your events for that? Um, I really liked middle distance, like um, 800 in particular, but just kind of competed in whatever um, coach put me in. Uh, all the distance runners would complain if we were put in the 4x4 four four relay, and sometimes that happened, but um, mostly 800 and up. Did you ever find yourself being a taller individual? Because you're around, you're around six foot, aren't you? Uh, yeah, 5'11". Okay, 
So if you're a dude, six foot. Um, <laughs> if I'm a dude, I'm probably more than six foot. <laughs> yeah. If you're, no, nobody's 5'11". You know, like you, you say you're six foot if you're 5'11". But uh-huh. do you ever find yourself jumping hurdles or anything like that? You know, that's another thing that I tried. My high school coach really, he thought I was going to do high jump and hurdles. And I'm kind of scared of the hurdles. Also, I can't jump. <laughs> okay, so we got... <laughs> so it, it seems as if fear may be the thing that's holding you back on a couple of these. Like, swimming, face won't go in the water. Hurdles, I don't like jumping. Like, no, no, no. Um, I, I, I feel like if you could have gotten over that fear of just eating shit on a hurdle, might have been ha- you might have been decent at that one. You know, I think this is one of those places where, you know, as an adult, sometimes we're a little bit more mature than we are in high school. And I feel like I would probably, if my body would otherwise be okay with it, I feel like mentally I could do a better job with hurdling now and working myself into overcoming that. I think from from what I've seen from you, just with regards to training, posts online, within the group chat and everything, you're very, um, very analytical and stuff, very dialed in. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that at this point, the mind that you would be working with, you would be drilling like hurdle movements so much that you would you would probably have immaculate hurdle form and you just have it down to a science. Probably, and that would probably help. That's, and that, that's what I would expect. I think it, you would attack it from like a scientific way and just get to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I can definitely jump this hurdle. I've done all the metrics on it. I'm fine. And then the fear is gone. Right. And I think once you do something successfully a certain number of times, too, you can kind of work your way out of that. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, once you see, it, it's like lifting a, a particular weight. You know, once you've hit that before, you're like, I can almost always hit that again. Exactly. Um, and once you do something that causes you pain and you realize that pain is not the worst thing in the world, um, I think that also helps. As far as just some of the, like, welts and bruises I was getting from that, like, hitting the hurdle wrong, you know, that, yeah, that, that goes away, right? It, uh, to a degree. To a degree. Mm-hmm. It's, it, yeah, you kind of get used to, you start to figure out what's the difference between, like, pain and injury and, like, okay, I can take this little thwack on the leg every time if my trail leg's a little low or something like that. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Were you so, a hurdle? Uh, I, I did hurdle. Um. It was one of my, it was not one of my events that I could negotiate coach into letting me do often because I had better events, but for some mm-hmm. reason I loved hurdling. And so the, I, I got him to let me in the 400 hurdles once at a race, didn't do terrible and had fun with it. But I was like, yes, I, I got to do hurdles in a race. That was, that might've been one of the peaks of my career. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was the kid who would just like try everything. I would, I would ask goes, hey, can I take hurdles home? And I'd, I'd like load them up in my truck. I took those, a shot put, a discus. Like, it, we didn't have heptathlon, but I would have tried it. You know, that's one thing. I never tried any of the thrilling events either. And um, as uh, it, it seems a lot of fun just watching other people do it. Um, I don't know. Like, um, I, feel like I don't you're- know. Part of me I would like to try now. And then a part of me feeling like I already kind of found my thing and just enjoy that. Uh, I'll say you've probably found a very good thing like <laughs> that you're you're locked into and mm-hmm. maybe detracting from it to go toss the discus. I don't know <laughs> right. if I would advise it. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, just keep pulling the hell out of nerd. Like you're crushing that. Mm-hmm. So with with those races that you ran, what were the what was the one that you found that was like the favorite? So what did you enjoy out there on the track? I really enjoyed the 800. Um, it's over pretty quickly and um, just... It's very tactical, too, with kind of when you're pushing and 
how much and just how that start goes and then trying to save enough in the tank to bring it home at the end. And that was always a lot of fun. And so that was also, that was probably one of the shorter events that, that I did. I was like 800, 1600, two mile kind of deal. Um, yeah. And now that like these longer events that, that kind of do that are 30 minutes an hour, I forget mm-hmm. that there was like a race that was just two minutes long. I don't understand how a race is two minutes long. It uh, <laughs> it kind of blows my mind. Now. I'm like, what do you mean? You race for two minutes and you're done. That's all you're training for. And I think that makes more sense to you because didn't you recently, you crushed some record in the 500, didn't you? Yeah. I um, recently set an age group world record in the 500 and then um, uh, an all over um, record in the slides 500. And yeah, that's short. Like it's a little under a minute and a half. And um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking some uh, some of the people who are going to Worlds and like just competing in the 500, you know, you have a training cycle for months and then you fly and you're doing all this stuff and then you're out there for like a minute, minute and a half. But um, then I was thinking, you know, some of the track athletes, if you're in the 100, like that's over even faster. So, uh, but yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. It's been really fun doing some of the shorter events too, because it is over so quickly and it's um, uh, just a very different feeling and different strategy um, about how to approach those. Well, yeah. In the long, like for longer events, seconds mm-hmm. kind of matter, but you can play with them a little bit in the, in the short events like that. It's yeah, it's over really fast, but it's almost like every millisecond or something is elongated or amplified with this important. It is. And so like, if you have one bad stroke, um, it matters a lot more than in a longer piece. Yeah, for sure. Because it makes up just so much more of a percentage of that whole race. Like you have to be mm-hmm. perfection almost the entire time for a very, very short race. Exactly. And especially and, at the end when it hurts, you have to hold on. Yeah. And, and see you from a like row stroke form, you hold on. Um, <laughs> I, um, I don't know how to describe it. I started to look a bit like a coconut shrimp or something. Like it just, <laughs> eh, it falls apart. And, and I still just think about when I was, when we did that workout in Chicago, I'm looking over and I'm like, she's just so fluid with all of this. And I am just ripping into the chain, like as best, whatever makes the fan move. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's fun to watch like high level execution, that kind of stuff from your end, because you're also, I know that you have this hour and a half blocked off today you're trained by uh say his name so i don't say it wrong um i'm uh cameron buckin or are you yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. my underwater coach uh no i was talking about cameron okay so yeah how long, yeah how long have you been working with him for uh i started working with him in november of last year so it's been about nine months now okay so you, were, were you privy to when there was the whole like high rocks hunter and him were button heads about stuff <laughs> I, I did watch that unfold. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, cringy, um, to to kind of say the least on that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, but I will say from your pers- thoughts on that, in, in a pure kind of rowing sort of form mm-hmm. race versus one where you're going to have to switch to something else, <laughs> do you find that it would be beneficial to actually switch up like the way that you might row? That's a tough question, and I feel like overall efficient, you know, good technique is efficient, and 
just kind of regardless of if you're just doing that, like, like if I were going to do an hour uh, for time on the, or for meters rather, um, on the ERG, um, there's a certain type of technique that's going to be the most efficient for that. And it feels intuitively like that would be the most efficient as well if you're doing it as part of a larger event like Hyrox. Um, I can see an argument that the most efficient technique for rowing is mostly legs and that perhaps your overall um, uh, high rocks, you know, just um, with, um, sorry, within the um, context of that wider event, maybe you would want to bring your arms more into it to save your legs for some of the running stuff. I didn't really see that coming out Explicitly, and what Hunter was saying about it, if I remember correctly, and it's been long enough, I don't know if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to bait you into a controversy. <laughs> it's just wanting to know, like, what your perspective would be on that. Because I, I also at first I lean towards like, well, what is efficient is always efficient. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you look at, let's say, where do we want to place partial demand on the body during a particular part? If you're already super leg heavy in something Mm -hmm. i think it maybe makes sense from a if you have the if you have the upper limit from a cardio standpoint to be like i can be inefficient here jack my heart rate a little bit but i can save my legs some maybe it's worth it um right and i'm not quite familiar enough with how all those different trade-offs would work in a hybrid event and i feel like it's a good if you're getting a rower going into a hybrid event too i feel like some of that technique is just so ingrained in where um um, I mean, it's hard to not do it that way, but if you're an athlete who's training just, ex- you know, expressly for something like Hyrox, I'm not as sure what the best approach would be. I don't know of anybody in the top end that, that has a rowing background. Um, mm-hmm. like the closest I came to be, there was a guy, Tom Parasito, and I believe I'm saying his last name, right? I, I might be wrong. Cause I met in New York a couple of years ago. And I believe mm-hmm. he was a part of he was a part of the U.S. Olympic team, and he oh, rowed, wow. yeah. And mm-hmm. so he's the highest level rower I've met so far on the high rock circuit. Um, okay. And didn't have like a he didn't have like a crazy fast time or anything like that. He's maybe seventy minutes, maybe just under. Um, but I didn't notice anything in the race of his row split being like through the roof. Now could be your years removed from when you were in the Olympics. <laughs> And it's like, hey, you can't always hold me to that standard. Mm-hmm. But it was at the same time, it was like, oh, somebody with a really high-level background in this one particular aspect, how do they fare in the race? Um, and he had a good split, but it wasn't like, oh, man, this guy got there, and he was like, this is my zone. Right. And I can also see, too, I mean, there's always kind of the debate between are you going to just really go in on the thing that you're good at, or are you going to try to reserve for some of that other stuff? So I recently participated in the uh, Rogue Enduro Challenge, um, which is, uh, let's see, that was a 2K ski erg into a 2K row erg into a 4K bike. Yep. And I just had not done much hard stuff on the bike, but I was like, well, like intellectually, it makes sense to pace the row part of that the way I would pace a 6K row. Um, And I did that and I just completely died on the bike. I mean, it was um, really painful. <laughs> what was your what was so i mean you had a good time for that 20 23 13 uh, i think yeah i think it was like 23 14 or 15 somewhere okay. in there 
which which was Sally, because what was the winning time? Twenty one change. That sounds right. Yeah, because early on, like you were fairly high up there, and imploding on the bike doesn't help um, at all. <laughs> no. and, and like, I took a crack at it, and we had Paul on the team, who I mean, he had a, a hell of a score down the low low twenties. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't I paced it as like I bike all the time. Clearly, I'm on a bike now. Um, yeah, it's like okay, I'm gonna ski. You know, maybe one second per split slower than I think I'll row. And then I'll row, and that'll be kind of my base split, and then I'll bike one second faster. Um, okay. And that kind of worked. But again, you're heavy, heavy on the row. I know you've been skiing a little bit more, and I don't think you have a biker, do you? I do have a biker. I just, uh, I've not been using it as much as, I've been using it basically for zone two style training and nothing hard. And I realized while doing this that you kind of have to train um, specifically for things that do well at those things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're knew, to, right? Once they start putting, like, uh, once they start putting money and prizes on the line, you can't just be like, well, I'm fit here. And these mm-hmm. other aspects, it kind of translates. Um, yeah, I mean, there was no way I was winning that anyway. You know, put Jason Marshall in the mix. Um, him in oh, his yeah. underwear. He's going to show up uh-huh. in his underwear and beat everybody's ass. <laughs> yep. But, uh, <laughs> Compre- okay, compression shorts, under Everybody everybody else called it underwear. Yep. I, which, even if it were, that you know, just let the man train. I don't know. Let the man train. Let the man train. He's upstairs. It's a side profile. You're fine. Leave him alone. Let him work out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He, he's just in his zone. Mm-hmm. So, with you coming out, finishing up track, really, like you said, D3, you were competing, but really more enjoyed it as a sport and less of like, hey, I want to really go somewhere far with running. Um, where does it kind of take you next? Um, I came off of senior year with a pretty bad injury, and it took me a couple of years to really recover from that. Um, and then after that, a lot of our emphasis was really more on starting our family. We have four kids, and so I've trained through four, five pregnancies at this point, but um at the same time, you know, that you have to modify stuff and then you have to recover and that's, you don't really have a good solid just um, training block to really improve the way that I've been able to do lately. But during that time, I was mainly running and lifting. Mainly running and lifting. And, and I'm seeing that now with Maria. We've got like, we've had our first, she's, you know, six months postpartum and is just mm-hmm. like, she's just getting back in the swing things. Um, right and it's hard getting back into it yeah and that's with her not having like any everything went smooth no complications Mm -hmm. no issues afterwards and so it it is funny you're like you so you've had you have four kids you said yeah yeah people are already asking she's like well well, when are y'all thinking of the next one she's like what (laughs) are you talking about like i don't i don't want to go through that again right now um or uh-huh. maybe any time in the future. And it's, it's just funny because I look at people and I'm like, wait, she's not a factory, bro. Like, <laughs> give her a minute. She's not making pencils and paper clips as a baby. Like, chill. Exactly. So, um, at this point, your kids, what uh, what age are they? They're The oldest is 14 and the youngest is 6. And which one is the one that's, like, going to outrun me and beat me in pull-up contest? Um... You know, that one's hard. Our eight-year-old is quite an athlete. Um, he loves soccer. He does all the pull-ups, and he's just always active. Um, our six-year-old is not as into sports, but he is a climber. 
and he's fearless. And so he might be able to take you on pull-ups one day as well. Okay. And he'll definitely, he'll be fine with like getting in the water and swimming. He's fearless. Yeah. Face in the water. No problem. Yeah, no problem. And they've all yeah. been on the swim team. I want them to have that life skill better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't send them any, none of them got sent to gymnastics, did they? None of them I've tried yet, but I feel like the little guys actually could do kind of well. To be like, listen, guys, uh, it can't go worse than it went for me. It'll be all right. Exactly. <laughs> so going through all of that and like, okay, starting a family, really focusing in on that and not making training your focal point. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you find yourself getting back to where you're more serious about it? Um, because, of course, life is not, life is not sports um, unless you are a very, very, very high-level athlete from the jump and your life is sports for a period of time. But life is not always sports. So you take the time, build the foundation of a family, the stuff that's going to be long-lasting, it really matters. Mm-hmm. And then what gets you back into it? I just really enjoy it. And I, I never really left. It's just obviously modified and you just can't expect the same times or, you know, lifts or that kind of thing at certain points. And it's just continual rebuilding. But um, it's, I don't know. Like, I just love... Um, both just doing um, active things, but then also seeing what I can do and just, you know, incrementally little steps getting better and better over time. Um, but I'm just really enjoying training. And I um, usually incorporate aspects of that, of just being outside and in nature, which I also love. And so they just work together really well. Um, and do you find that, you know, doing that, is, is your is your husband particular, is he active? Does he do a lot of stuff as well? What's kind of his... Uh, I guess, realm. He's active, but not at all like I am. Um, So, I mean, he's often, like, he was on our roof the other weekend fixing the roof, or, like, he's, like, doing carpentry stuff, or just that kind of stuff, and not, um, uh, I mean, he does erg, but he doesn't um, devote himself to that kind of thing the same way I do. Uh, Well, (laughs) rollerblading. He likes to rollerblade. He's really hockey, so yeah. Oh, that is one thing that I want to pick up. I feel like it'd be a heck of a lot of fun. He seems to have a really good time. Like sometimes he'll um, take one of our kids on a bike and he'll just rollerblade next to them. Yeah, no, so, that sounds like that yeah. sounds like if I get to the point where I've eventually just demolished my like knees and can't run anymore, I'll be like, put me on the <laughs> rollerblades and <laughs> maybe I can't trail. I can't trail rollerblade. I don't think that'd go well, but uh. You know, you stick yeah, out there. Get some miles. Good. But yeah, roads are pretty good for that. Or like bike trail. I mean, the paved kind of bike trail. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. They've got like, they've got so much paved. Uh, I'm in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. They got a ton of stuff like that. So if I ever decided I wanted to, you know, throw on some rollerblades, I might have to hit him up and be like, can you uh, give me some tips on how to do this? Yeah, he'd be happy to. Well, I think that that's cool having to like the mix. And honestly, you two kind of have a flip on things. Like, we're within my family, I'm the more serious athlete. Maria, she she still competes. She wants to do things. She's training for a triathlon right now. And, cool. but, but she's like low key about it. Um, mm-hmm. She's not going to miss sleep at night sitting there thinking about like aspects of sport. Right. So I, I think, think that's a that kind of. No, go ahead. I, I, say, I think sometimes that just helps with balance and just keeping things in a more sustainable place too when you do have somebody who's um kind of pulling you back sometimes um it sounds like she might be doing some of that yeah no it, it is that and it's there's a difference between pulling you back and holding you back 
Exactly. Um, and the pulling you back is when, hey, you're getting way too far like involved in yourself. Um, they're bigger things. Like, hey, come back over here. Go snap out of it. Get out of Dylan World or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know if that's what he also does for you, but that's a good mix, I think, within a family dynamic, particularly. I think so. And yeah, that's a really good distinction between pulling back and holding back. Like, um, Cam Buckins constantly pulling me back from where I want to go because it's in my best interest to stay in a spot where, you know, I'm hungry to train and it's enjoyable and I'm not injured and those kinds of things. And so that pulling back can be a very healthy thing sometimes. Absolutely. And me, I'm self-coached. And so I don't have somebody doing that from a someone looking over my programming, but I do have somebody at home that I'm constantly talking to all the time. And she sees, she's like, Hey, you can lay back today. Like you don't have to go. And, and if I tell, if I, I wanted to go do this and I want to train, like she'll be, Hey, it's okay if you don't. And that's at least enough mm-hmm. to like pull you back and go, actually, maybe I should just sit on the couch and be home. Exactly. And, and the reason I was kind of asking that is looking at that dynamic within the family, all your kids seem to be really active. Um, do you feel like what you've done kind of as a, as a mom and as an athlete ha- has pushed them in that direction, has made them not feel forced to be in shape, but just like, hey, go out, like be active? I think it's helped. Um, some of our kids are more athletic than others. And kind of where I am on that is that they should find something active that they enjoy. Like, I think it's important for everybody from children to adults and they're enjoyable active stuff might look very different than mine and that's okay and their primary hobbies might not involve being active but it's just an an important part of their lives I mean I have one who I think would be perfectly happy playing D&D and reading about D&D all day long and D&D is fantastic (laughs) but um, again it's just kind of that balance Uh, same thing with us like we shouldn't literally train all day we should have other hobbies as well and um, you know incorporate rest and things like that so um, it just looks different for everybody see we're we're kind of losers so we'll know what D&D stands for Um, (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) um And what's like, what's interesting is I kind of get that. I grew up, I was a Game Boy kid. Like Mm -hmm. I was constantly glued to some Nintendo version uh, of a video game all the way up until, I don't know, 13, 14. And like I was in my room, I was either playing on that or I was reading Harry Potter books. And I, I don't think becoming super active happened until later in life. So it might even be, my parents had to pry it away from it. They're like, yo, put your Game Boy down. I don't know. Go do something. Um, right. So I, I do completely understand the kid who could just sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons all day. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's very enjoyable. I have great memories of sitting back on the computer with Lay's potato chips at my grandparents' house, just chugging away. Um, <laughs> but it, it, you're, you're also right in saying, like, yeah, everybody needs some form of activity that they enjoy, whether it's, you know, any kind of actual competitive sport or, I don't know, being out in nature. One of the best runners who he was the second man to break the four minute mile, John Landy. He used to chase uh-huh. butterflies. He chased butterflies. Really? Yep. Like that was just, he, he loved butterflies. So that was kind of his thing. He would go out and other than, you know, his training side of stuff, he, I guess, I, I, I don't know if the technical term is entomologist, whatever. My man liked bugs and he liked pretty bugs. I love it. <laughs> and again, that was just an aspect of him that was totally different 
from being a runner. Mm -hmm. I, I know that you, you took part in the, uh, the Enduro Challenge. That was a little, mm -hmm. I think it's a little dip of the toe into the hybrid world. Um, I, for you, are you looking at trying any of the, the DECA events, the Hyrox events, or anything of that kind? Um, I've been thinking about doing more, like incorporating more skier and uh, biker and stuff like that in the off season. Um, as far as actual events right now, I'm pretty limited with what I'm able to do. Um, I'm recovering from another knee injury and I'm not yet to a point where I can run. And I feel like that's kind of needed for, I think for everything that you mentioned. You wouldn't need it for the like DECA uh, strong stuff. Okay. That what is have, that? That is, so that's 10 gestation mm -hmm. stations. There's no running in between it. Uh, so you're going to start basically with uh, 30 reverse lunges. Okay. Um, and that, that they got maps down there. Like you're not going to bang your knees to crap. So you do 30 reverse lunges with, if I remember correctly, females are going to have a 40, 44 pounds. Uh, one okay. of those weighted foam rollers, one of those rams. So gotcha. 30 of those. Then you go to the rower. Um, mm -hmm. You got 500 meters in the rower. Then it's a uh, box step overs for 20. Um, come out of that, you go to med ball sit-ups for 25. Then 500 meter skier, 100 meter farmer's carry with two 40 pound dumbbells. Then okay. the, part, the part that flips the entire race, uh, the assault bike for 25 calories. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Oh boy. That's the one I get there and I'm just going, oh, it was fun until now. Um, uh, <laughs> I was having fun until now. Um, and then uh -huh. you go D ball either over a yoke. Uh, but in this case, since it's going to be a strong, you're just over the shoulder mm -hmm. with uh, 40 pounds, then tank okay. push, push pull for a hundred mm -hmm. meters, 50 a piece, and then 20 Ram burpees with a okay. 22 pounder. So no running involved. That actually seems pretty doable overall. So, yeah. um, yeah, so possibly, um, I would need to look up more information about when they are and, it's it's right uh, now. yeah they've got, they've got a good um from an accessibility standpoint it's really easy to be honest um I, okay. was, I was on like a work trip and i just happened to look and i was like hey is there a gym doing one over the weekend and oh just wow dropped in did a deck a mile there that is just mm -hmm. a deck a mile is all that same stuff but you have 160 meters of running in between okay so still you run a total of a mile um okay not Fine. that much yeah and, and it might yeah. like i think both of those are easily doable for somebody who has an issue with running mm -hmm. um, and also plays your strengths as an athlete. But there's that. And then of course the other stuff would be your deck of fit. You got 5k running your high rocks. Yeah. If you can't run, you're not. Yeah. That's just not, not going to go. <laughs> not going to. Nope. That plan ain't going to fly. Uh, nope. But yeah, so yeah. Looking, just looking in your area, if you just go on the deck of fit website and just mm -hmm. find an event, there might be one nearby. And you just pop in and uh, sign up online. Pretty easy. Cool. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'd be interesting to see like how you throw down in that realm. Um, because I th one thing that surprised me was when we met training in Chicago, how fast mm -hmm. we just picked up on things. I was like, have you ever done this before? No. And then I was like, well, you look like you've done it before. <laughs> well, it depends on what it is too. I mean, it was just like wall balls and dumbbell yeah. snatches and things like that. And I was like, well, I, I feel like those are pretty intuitive movements. So when, when you it, get stuff that's a lot more technical, it takes a lot longer to try to learn it. I'll tell you, not always. Uh, <laughs> not no. always. It's not like, I mean, no. Is it the most complex movement? No. But like to look fluid doing it without like mm -hmm. any rest or like, I'm not asking you, hey, could you show me how to do one? It's like within a workout, uh -huh. you, you pick up stuff pretty quick. So 
I feel like you you roll try. Well. You try. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if there was any gymnastics, it'd be game over. I'd be like, don't start. I can't figure out how to kip, but I feel like that's needed for a lot. Hey, you don't need it. No pull ups. Yeah, well, I can do pull ups. I just can't. Yeah, I can't like do the, them either. What, yeah, those, uh, those butterfly ones. I can, and I, I don't know how you can do like a muscle up without that involving a some at least some degree of kipping, or um, maybe you just need to be stronger than I am. So there, uh, like, there are people you watch them do muscle ups, and they look like they float. Um, mm-hmm. They do not kip, and it's beautiful. It's it's incredible. It, like you watch them do it, and you're like, huh, that's not a human. Um, right. And so, is it doable? Yes. Can I do it? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I think that's what like deck of like all of the deck events were kind of meant to be: high capacity, low skill. Okay. Um, was really the. I think the mindset behind it, we want to get as many people involved. You can get really good athletes who can get rip stuff. But if you're just a kind of everyday gym goer, you can do it too. And that's fun. Like I like things that people can just kind of try and, you know, you don't really need to build the, the skills going into it. No, I, I think that that's, um, that's one thing that's gotten tough about CrossFit is how mm-hmm. technical it is. For yeah. Um, I mean, you can still come in base level and you're like, all right. You know, you're just learning with a PVC pipe and all that. But when mm-hmm. you come, say, do a DecaFit event or like a High Rocks event, you look at every movement and you go, to a degree, I can do that. Exactly. Um, when you watch somebody do walking handstand and then do a handstand push-up and then do spin in a circle on their hands, you go, <laughs> hmm, I don't know if there's a universe I can do that. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of the stuff I was seeing there, I was like, just, you know, I- I don't know. <laughs> Maybe with this year of solid training for it or something, but I, I just don't really see that happening for me. No, and I mean, honestly, is everybody in the world trying to be an elite level CrossFit athlete? I hope not. No. Because if so, we're all failing desperately. Like, <laughs> um, right. But you did watch, so you watched the games and stuff. Um, I saw some stuff just kind of popping up in my social media, but I did just sit and watch it. Okay. So and I was thinking about the part of France, like I, everyone was around me was talking about it and I just, um, have limited time and, um, it did not make it into my schedule. Oh, uh, well, I, I see I'm a, I'm a nerd and a loser, so I have time. Um, <laughs> so I was absolutely glued to everything from the tour de France. Like uh-huh. it's, been, it's been from the tour de France to the CrossFit games. And now they've got the cycling world championships going on over like nine days. Oh, um, I didn't really oh that one. Yeah, that's over in like Glasgow. Um, I'm just glued to stuff all the time, uh-huh. any sport. And what's funny is one of the ladies who's working it, she was like, I, I don't know how she's pulling it off because I'm watching these events. She's uh-huh. like going to these and doing all the commentary. And I just see on her Instagram, she's like, at the CrossFit Games, over here for UCI Cycling, off to this event. I'm like, uh-huh. how are you keeping uh-huh. up? You know, when I was arguing more, I had a lot more time for, I was watching a lot of Netflix for a while and a lot of audiobook, and I, I would probably be doing a lot more if that were my primary um, training right now, but um, about half my training right now is on a boat in the water with teammates and with the cocks telling us what to do, and so that just doesn't really fit in very well with that, and yeah. that's impacted my ability to keep up on what's on Netflix. Okay, you can't you can't bring a phone out there and just like tape it to the back of the person's head in front of you and like it's, <laughs> it's like 
hey, stop, stop fidgeting so much. I'm trying to read these subtitles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now that's it. So seeing that you're like, hey, might do some Decker Strong stuff. Not can't mm -hmm. not in the place where I can run. Um, I think that, that actually gives some good insight from one. You've shifted over to the water. Um, mm -hmm. What is what's the difference you see in like in a boat in a fake boat? Um, technique really matters, um, and I, I think a lot more like in an actual boat. Um, I mean, fe uh, feathering and squaring the blade and a lot of that. There's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of technique to pick up but a lot of another thing that i've just really noticed though is there's certain things that people say to do on the erg where um i mean i think it makes sense like you know you start the drive with your legs you keep your body over position until your legs are fully extended and then you swing back and then you finish up with your arms and if you look at a lot of people erging including some pretty fast people they don't necessarily do that like they start pushing and opening up with their body at the same time and if you do that on the water, your blade does some pretty wonky stuff through the water. But if you keep, you know, if you just drive with your legs while keeping your body still and then body over, your blade has much better movement through the water. And so there's just certain things like that where I've been like, oh, like that's, that makes a really big difference. And I wasn't really aware until then of just like all of the different reasons why that might be beneficial. That's interesting to think about because like me, myself, I want to try to make that transition to the water and I do mm -hmm. make that same exactly what you're saying. Like, Hey, I'm opening up while I'm extending. That's mm -hmm. going to be a problem. Um, right. <laughs> so I was doing, I mean, I, I knew that I shouldn't be doing that going into the season. Um, and I, I think that's one of those things that's really, really hard to break. Um, so I've been working on that and then just other things too. Like, um, so, um, uh, same thing with kind of sequencing on the recovery, you know, arms away, body over, and then you come in with your legs. And on an arc, really the only impact if you don't have that down is you're whacking your knees with the handle or you're kind of doing this up and over your knees thing. Um, but on a boat, it's not going to stay well set and you start kind of crashing side to side. And if people aren't timing some of that the same on the boat, like if people are doing hands away at different speeds, same thing. It just starts kind of crashing side to side. So um, lots of little things like that. We have a couple new teammates right now too for the fall season and just kind of seeing how they're integrating it too. It's um, uh, the, I, I've been kind of learning just how some of the differences um, affect how the boat's doing. No, that's uh, that's cool insight to get because one of my, the things about this podcast, I try to have people on here who all have sort of different backgrounds and like uh -huh. when I'm talking to them, I'm like, oh, this was your, you have some insight here. Tell me about it. Like whether it was boxing, karate, alpine skiing. I'm like, tell me about it. it oh yeah. Yeah. Is this going to translate over to high rocks? No, it's not. Like for people listening, you're never, you're always going to be on an earth. There's never going to be a boat in the race, but. Right. So you don't really need to worry about keeping stuff set and all that stuff. But yeah. It, it, it's Sorry. cool to just, no, no, you're good. It's cool to just hear, Hey. What are like the little tweaks when you go from the kind of the faux thing to the actual thing? Right. Um, and with that, y'all, the boat you were just in, what did y'all just win? You just had a pretty big win. Yeah, we went to Masters Nationals. Um, and I rode in a bunch of different events in an eight, which has um, eight rowers and a cox. And we um, took a um, several golds and a silver in different age categories and club versus open. and um, 
uh, just a really good regatta for us. And now, did you get the trophy? Or, like, where, where was that trophy? <laughs> Go ahead and tell that story. The golds had, um, they uh, came with trophies. And some of those trophies were just enormous, too. Um, and there was one trophy where we went to go collect it and um, that we were told we don't have it. And uh, we were able to uh, uh, start asking some questions because they had it last year. And we were like, well, we need to figure out the team that had this trophy last year because they didn't bring it back to the regatta. And we need to like work with them and get this trophy from them. It's ours now. For the next those, are some, those are some bad people. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, you know, it's going to be down, like, you know, brawl for the trophy. And then we um, started looking at pictures from last year at who won it. And it was us. I don't <laughs> think we've located that trophy either. Y'all still haven't found it? I, I don't know that we have. Should be somewhere at the boathouse. And the boathouse isn't that big, but. That's like the low level of like when people, you know, win, say, the Lombardi trophy or something like that, and they dent it. <laughs> it's like, right. Come on, guys, be a little more careful with the trophy. Yep. Either way, I thought that was pretty funny when I saw that. Some of those trophies are really cool, too. <laughs> they look yeah. neat. It's like sometimes my motivation to win things might just be a cool looking trophy. Um, I did a whole series of virtual races last year for a hat. Because yes. I was just like, hey, let's, <laughs> you know. Sometimes it doesn't take much. So what is the, from a, from an apparel standpoint, what's the coolest mm -hmm. thing you could win in a race? Like in your opinion, if you're like, Hey, we're, we're competing for this. What are you trying to win? Oh gosh. I mean, in the rowing world, it's pretty much, um, medals and trophies. Um, and then sometimes like, it's not like running where you get a t-shirt every time. You sorry, if, if you could make it, if you made the rules, oh, if you were like, this it? is, yeah, this is what we race for. I feel like a uni suit would be pretty cool. Um, so those are like the, the one piece things that rowers wear on the boat. And we have a torsos covered rule on, on our um, team. <laughs> and so Because cold um, backs get hurt more. Exactly. Got to keep those muscles warm. See, I want to see if something, so we, we've had the, we've had like the science around or the discussion around the science of do you lay down in between, do you take a knee like in between intervals of running or something? Now we need somebody, we need somebody who listens to this, if they can tell us, do you have to like have your, your back covered up in a robo? What are the, what are the metrics on lower back injuries and showing your lumbar spine? Exactly. So uh, just for people who don't know, my coach on the water requires torsos to be covered because um, he says that warm muscles are less susceptible to injury and he doesn't want us injuring our backs. So um, yeah. It, it, Again, when you first like brought it out, when you were like, the coach is like, back has to be covered. Like, he better be coming with something like good. Right. And then he was, and then you were like, hey, it's men and women. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Like, if it's not just singling out one sex versus the other, and, and, you know, if that's the rule, that's the rule, and I will follow the rule. That's fair. But, yeah. You'll follow that rule. Y'all don't follow the rule and give him trophies back. It's okay. You pick mm -hmm. and choose. You pick and choose. Um, yeah. So, yeah, with that, just kind of like finishing up on anything. Um, mm -hmm. The real question is that, so for for people who are getting into the rowing world, particularly on a, just on ERG, not on the boat, what are yeah. the tips do you have to develop both efficiency, capacity, and like top-end speed? Yeah, so I think in general, one thing that's just really important is getting down sequencing. So that would be uh, the legs, back, arms, arms, back, legs that we were talking about earlier. 
Um, and that's really good from both an efficiency standpoint, as well as, um, like, I, I think it does help to prevent some injuries and you can pull better times um, if you get that down. Um, so I think that's just, that's one of the really important things. Another thing that I see a lot of beginners doing is the damper does not need to be at 10. Like you don't need to flick it all the way up. Um, I do most of mine at, it's probably about a four on most ERCs, but the drag factor is around 110. Um, and that's pretty good for um, a woman for most of the training. Man, men probably, you're, you're, I don't know, more like 120, 130, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I tend to said that. And, and then for people who are trying to figure that, so like every ERG you go to, like if you set it on a six, that doesn't mean that it's going to feel the same. Like your right. drag factor could be different from ERG to ERG. So that's even more of like a metric to zoom in on. And you can mm -hmm. honestly just hit buttons on the screen until you see something that says display drag factor and then just row a yeah. couple times. And that'll tell you where it is. Right. And, and different um, uh, PM performance monitors have the buttons in different places. But usually if you go to like utilities or something like that, there will be an option to display your drag factor. So yeah, like probably 110 to 120 for women, 120 to 130 for men, something like that. And higher doesn't mean harder workout. You can just pull it harder. Um, and then other than that, I feel like most Rowers, I know, train probably, you know, just a lot of really what you're doing right now um, is low level stuff where you're able to talk and have a conversation and, you know, and then um, a small amount of really, really hard work uh, with just targeting whatever you're training for. So if you're training for a shorter distance, usually that's faster and shorter pieces. And I'm about to start training for head of the Charles, which is um, closer to a 5k and so that's going to be some longer not quite as speedy pieces gotcha. well i just think i know i get messages yeah. a lot where people um, are asking about stuff like hey what stroke rate should i be at what are some workouts i can do and i'm like first off oh, i'm not your expert <laughs> that's a really good question i'm not sure quite how you would optimize that like when you're trying to train all this different stuff most of my training is like at a stroke rate 16 to 20. Um, I think everything today was in the 16 to 18 range. But then when I go hard, like I go, like I did a one minute piece yesterday at a stroke rate of 45. So um, it just really depends on what you're doing. And yeah, I don't, you know, if you're training for like a 1K in the middle of a bunch of other stuff that might look a little bit different than if you're training for a standalone 1K. Oh, it, it definitely would. But I think people just knowing the base level mm -hmm. of how to get better on the rower. Yeah. Like saying like efficiency, whether it's within mm -hmm. the race or within just the single domain of rowing probably translates pretty well. Yeah. Into working all those of like the lower stroke rate, 16 to 20, um, as opposed to like, I'm still trying to get that down. Like you see my stroke rates for things. They're like an hour at 32. And, and right. you're like, what is going on? And, and I'm, you, I'm just turning in that coconut shrimp and I'm just ripping and just see what happens. But, uh, but having your insight on stuff, I think is really helpful um, to people out there. Yeah. And I think some people do better with higher stroke rates and some people do better with lower stroke rates um, kind of naturally. Like I think generally lighter, smaller people tend to do better with a higher stroke rate. Um, Cam has me training a lot of stuff at a lower stroke rate to kind of build the power per stroke. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, and I mean, one thing though, for me personally, if I go to try to do like an hour, like, um, you know, for distance, um, just, you know, going as hard as I absolutely can, 
like I have to work hard to keep it up at a 27. Um, like kind of my happy place is usually more around like a 20 to 24. And so it takes some effort to just kind of keep, um, you know, keep that rate up high. Yeah. And I think it might just be because the, like the physical sequence that you go through is a mm-hmm. uh, longer range of motion than mine, honestly. You know, that might be part of it too. It, 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 I think it is from watching you row versus watching myself back. I'm like, oh, she's really moving through a lot of space mm-hmm. uh, and creating a lot of power, particularly early in the in the pool. Um, yeah, I am not. Mm-hmm. It, it's coming from like my knees are kind of already extended a little, and then it's like, what the god? Like, <laughs> 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 um, um, but but yeah, that's you know, I just kind of wanted to have you on, talk through stuff, yeah. look at your background coming up having somebody in here who's a really like you're very high level within the, the realm that you operate in. Um, and I think that that could, t- could give some advice to people who are within just the hybrid space, but want to work on that one aspect of their fitness. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So hopefully I said something helpful for anyone who might be listening and wanting to I, improve. I guarantee that, that over this time frame you did. So a- as we finish up, is there anybody uh, you want to shout out, thank um, anything to that effect or, are you just like, actually, it's all me. Nobody needs, like... I feel like there's too many people to mention. <laughs> like, I don't know. Cam Buckin's been fantastic from a programming standpoint. My coaches, Gennady and Elena, are um, uh, just every day. And our uh, Coxes as well, Gretchen and Elise, are um, really good at giving me constant feedback. And I feel like that's really helped me a lot over the last year. Um, all of the members of SPU are fantastic and, you know, we're all working in our d- different uh, domains and just, uh, I don't know, I love all of you. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm missing a lot of people. <laughs> no, I, again, it's okay. If you're not in here and you feel snub, yeah. reach out to her. Mm-hmm. Like it's her fault. Absolutely. But no, exactly. it's hard to cover everybody who supports these kind of things. Um, and then, yeah, if anybody wants to get involved with the C2 CTC, just look that up online and reach out, you know, to, you can kind of find some people on Instagram or we can try to get you in, in touch with somebody. If you want to be in a boat, start working on your rowing. I know that since joining in September, it's really helped me. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'll probably give that plug at the end from my end. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of fun too. It, it really I'm is. Being able to kind of bounce pacing ideas off of each other. And I just, all of that is, has been great. Oh, it, it's so much. There's like, I, I go to that group chat and I'm like, there is a treasure trove of information um, mm-hmm. for when, if somebody asks me a question, I don't know. I'm like, but I probably do know somebody that does. And especially like if you start getting into stuff like road royalty. Um, so that's a rowing competition that's kind of in the January or February timeframe. Um, that also comes with some decent prize money attached to it. But like there's things where it's like, I mean, one of their things uh, this last season was to row a 5k and then you get points for who has the first or the fastest first 1K, the fastest last 1K, and then best overall time. So just strategizing something like that. Like how hard do you go at different spots? And like, do you, you know, that kind of thing. I, I feel like just having other rowers to kind of bounce that those ideas off of um, with is awesome. And we have some pretty good people on the team who have a good sense of that kind of, you know, how to take those. I, I would say we got some decent ones on there. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, look forward to, you know, just being back and forth in the group chat and stuff and hitting a couple workouts and making sure that in none of the months I let you ever beat me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my plan. 
All right. Well, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too.